Hello, everyone. It is Jet Tattersall here welcoming you to the Women in Pop podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, this podcast was first released on October 6, and on this day, 40 years ago in 1982, Madonna released her very first single, a song by the name of Everybody. Now, it didn't exactly set the world alight. However, just a few short years later, Madonna became the biggest pop star of all time and changed our world forever. In the latest issue of Women in Pop magazine, available at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe, we look back at her incredible career, and on this episode of the podcast, we are devoting a show to deep dive into all things Madonna and her impact both on the music industry and society as a whole. Joining us today is Dr. Rebecca Sheehan, the Program Director of Gender Studies at Macquarie University and lifelong Madonna fan. Hi. And Trent Titmarsh, one of Australia's most respected and accomplished PR professionals who has worked with some of the world's biggest stars and is a self-described Madonna obsessive. It's all true. Hi, Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Women in Pop, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Lovely to be here to talk about Madonna. I need to kick this off by just asking you both, favourite Madonna song and why? This is such a hard question, and if you ask me the same question tomorrow, it might be a different title, but today I'm going to go with Vogue. I just think, oh God, I just remember when it came out, it just was life-changing and it just capsulated this amazing era and house music, I guess, for the, you know, early 90s, the first time that, that it was brought into mainstream. Yeah, Vogue. Gorgeous. Excellent choice. Rebecca? I'm going to be sneaky. I'm going to go in for one and a half songs, I'll say two, <laughs> Justify My Love, because it sounds amazing and it's... I really think it's gross when people say things are sexy in a certain way, but it's sexy. It's a really, mm -hmm. it's really, um, it's unapologetic about her desire in a way that her previous songs hadn't been in terms of the way that it sounds. So it sounds unapologetic. Just want to be a just add in Little Star on the Ray of Light album because I love that line where she says, you breathe new life into my broken heart. And I, when I listened to that song, I felt it was the first time that she'd let me know that she was human. And also it was a song about being a mother, which we don't often get to hear in the pop realm. And I thought it was a way of her saying, this is what it feels like and this is okay.
absolutely and we definitely don't hear it in the pop realm with regards to madonna because i mean even as i say her name it doesn't matter how old you are your brain just suddenly flashes through a series of images and they are provocative and they're spiky and they're fleshy and they're they're visceral and they're powerful and they're terrifying and they're so goddamn feminine at the same time so to suddenly have this thing of kindness and i love how you said then that it made her human it's that soft edge that she let us into you know that yeah and vulnerability yeah that was clearly always there but she hadn't been telling us yeah. if you were to speak about madonna's vulnerability trend where where was it for you or did you always see it i i did always see it but i think the first time the whole public saw it and was reinforced was Live to Tell because she had just come off the back of Like a Virgin, which was, you know, the wedding dress and some controversy and and the, um, you know, the crosses and that iconic image of Madonna. But then she just shocked everybody and came out with something completely different, changed her look. And then that was by far the first proper time we saw that, that soft side and, you know, the lyric... It just stands out to me all the time is um, a man can tell a thousand lies. It's just this, she was only in her 20s and she had just as shocked in a, in, a, in a different way than what we're used to or what people, you know, expect her to do. A hundred percent, because of course, when we think of artists shocking, pulling the shock factor, it generally swings the other way. So we'll have an artist, particularly you watch someone that's come out of Disney, they're breaking free and they'll suddenly be sexy to say, I'm not a kid anymore. Mm. Or they'll go bad boy or whatever that is. But Madonna, because she started out as the controversy, see, she shocked everyone by going, no, these are my feelings. This is me as a woman. This is me expressing myself. And I wonder, Rebecca, how do you think the world took that because again she was doing something that wasn't expected from our female pop stars to do well I think she's a grown-up in it she's a woman so there'd been this girly exuberance poppiness about the music she was doing and this is a ballad and just listening to you now mentioning that line a man can tell a thousand lies the way that she delivered it she'd had that experience that's how the song came across, that this is someone who's had life experience and that that's where she's singing from. And in a way, although it's still a performance, it's, there's the mask drops in that, the, what we'd been used to seeing about Madonna. So it, it is really striking that usually people use sex to show that they've grown up. And here she, was, she had her hair done very neatly, a sort of 40s style, I think, in the film clip. She's looking right into the camera. She's looking very elegant, demure for Madonna anyway. And, and that's what communicates this is a serious person. So it may be one of the things is that people were able to dismiss her more easily when they thought she was a dumb girl. I think that was a moment, rightly or wrongly, that the naysayers went, oh, well, maybe I can take her seriously here, you know. And it definitely changed uh, perception, I think. And she does, you know, she, she hey, we love the, the other shock value that she does, but this, this was quite a moment. And she has, you know, let us in again and dropped that guard. It's, it's not often... But when she does it, she really does it well. And and 
probably because she doesn't do it all the time, that soft edge, it's more impactful and we know it means more to her and to the fans, I think. 100% and I, and I think those soft moments are also those moments we really get to hear her sing mm. and it's not overplayed. Like I think what it feels like for a girl, I think of Rain. You know what I mean? All these beautiful songs that you suddenly go, oh, because it's Madonna quietened down. Well, I guess the background and the noise and the rage and the offence and whatever else that comes with it simmers down and you've just got this woman standing in front of you singing. I want to talk to you um, about, let's go straight into that controversy that we were talking about, Like a Virgin. Fifth single, <laughs> but this was the song that made her mark, and I think uh, pop music was never the same again. You know, MTV was new, so we got to have artists putting on a show because we got music videos, and damn, did Madonna put on a show with this one? Yeah, what were your memories of Like a Virgin? I think that, that I think song? that was the first time I um, discovered Madonna, and I, I was still young, but. I think I would have been about six. And it, I always say, you know, yes, I'm an obsessive fan, but, you know, I also call out when sometimes she doesn't hit the mark. But for that, I'm like, she found me. I didn't find her. You know what I mean? It was just this instant connection and I knew this is it for life. You know, this you're my girl. And, you know, I love the history of that song is it was shopped around to so many other female artists, but everyone declined it because it was just, oh, God, no, I'm not singing a song called that. She's the only one that had the guts to say, that song, that's for me. And she, as a, she'd only released one album. It's not as if she knew, oh, whatever I do will be a hit back then. It was a huge gamble and a huge risk. But she just knew that within her, she gravitated and said that that's for me. And as we all know, it was, it, it was for her. Incredible. And I mean, looking back on it now, Rebecca, watching the Like a Virgin video, talk to me about the iconography in this film clip. Well, it occurred to me because I was thinking about another artist, Michael Jackson, and the inner sleeve of the Thriller album where he's in a white suit glowing and he's got a tiger cub with him. That that was part of Michael Jackson's presentation of his sexuality. There's nothing to fear here. And because I saw the two in close proximity to one another, watching the Like a Virgin clip, there's a lion prowling around behind Madonna. So she's floating around when she's, the scenes in the clip where she's walking. And I thought, and that's Madonna's sexuality. That's what she was telling us right then. I'm a lion. And not just her sexuality, but her as the king of the jungle. So to see a woman claiming that position, and I wasn't registering that in that way at that time in my life. But I think we do on some instinctive level that we see that's my person or that person's expressing something primal and I get it in terms of my instinctive understanding of where I sit in a hierarchy. This person's letting us know she's at the top. 
beautiful and it's so true it's like I'm safe with my little tiger kitten and like by the way over here I'm not and I'm going to talk very very and sing and gyrate openly about my sexuality and what I want and why I like it and also can I just say Mm. there too that she's saying like a virgin so she's not saying you took my virginity, which is the usual cultural script that we're meant to go for, right? Cherry bomb or whatever the other thing is, that, that whatever other lyrics there are to express that. She's saying, I wasn't a virgin already. And I don't even want to talk about that because it wasn't that good. That, I mean, that, that's, the story, that's the narrative that's behind. So there's been so much criticism of Madonna's ability as a singer, for instance, Part of the ability of a great singer is to deliver the song as though all of the words are yours. Oh, yeah. Even though she didn't write like a virgin, you know, she probably could have written it herself, you know. Right. So it, she made that song her song. Yeah. And the artistry that's involved in that, I think, is really extraordinary and something because it's a poppy, it's such a poppy song. It's not just pop, it's poppy. It's got this effervescent vibe to it and sound her artistry in delivering it is diminished absolutely absolutely and it's (laughs) it's amazing that something we talk about this a lot now when you have a song and you love it and then you start to break it down as it wears on as your still favorite song and you're like oh do we still like that synth or would that be put it today melodically or oh did anyone really check out these lyrics be like no no that that has stood the test of time because it's a combination of the music the lyrics and let's face it the artist the person who's delivering it to them and the conviction they have when they're delivering it and as you said what they make you feel when you first encounter that and I think that's a really really good point and I also think it's the reason why she was terrifying for so many people because she started to make young people young women and young men wake up sexually. I know it terrified my mum, <laughs> a six-year-old running around singing like a virgin and wearing a wedding dress, mind you, in the lounge room. <laughs> but that, you know, there was just no other artist that, that I was attracted to or connected, I could connect to, and I don't know what it is. What is that primal, that attraction, you know, that to say I'm from that tribe and I like you, you know. And um, that's why she's still here and the us loyal fans are there to the end because of all these moments that we can uh, not only remember but we were in the trenches with her for, you know. We talk about, we, we do talk about Madonna's revolution of uh, female sexuality, but she wasn't the first. I mean, women did be singing about their, their sexual desires and sexualization for years within pop music. And I wonder also in the, you know, in the rock realm, you had Chrissy Hind, you had Debbie Harry, you had Stevie Nicks, all of whom sung very independently about ownership and sexuality, but possibly because in the rock world, to be a woman in the rock world, you had to have survived that gauntlet to be there already. So you were a tough chick. So once you made it to the tough chick front of the stage, you were allowed to sing about whatever you wanted because you were kind of a dude, you know, whereas Madonna was the first well, she was the first white woman to be able to present that and deliver it in the world of pop music, which up until her had been a safe space. What do you guys think? I think Madonna and 
the movement of history came together at a really perfect time. So there were definitely artists before her who'd been as explicit and aggressive in their presentation of their sexuality. Someone like Betty Davis in the 1970s, who even if you see some still images of her, you can see that that it could be Madonna in terms of what she did with her body on stage. And she was African-American. She was banned on some radio stations, including by the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, because they didn't want a black woman to take away respectability from black people who were trying to be seen as respectable. So there are all these, and that's just one story. There are so many stories of the punishments that were delivered to women who flaunted their sexuality. Madonna was punished, but she still sold records. So she managed to keep going on. The punishment didn't interfere with her ability to be commercially successful. The other thing, when I was talking about the the point of history coming together for her, so the mid-80s, coming out of the 1970s, the big feminist movement of the 1970s, there was a split between the feminists, between feminists who were sex positive and feminists who were anti-porn. So the anti-porn feminist position was that all pornography is bad for women because it commodifies their bodies, it demeans them sexually. And sex positive feminists were saying, no, if we say that all expression of sexuality is bad, which is kind of where we're going with that anti-porn position, women don't have a place to express themselves. I think Madonna really picked up on that argument and took it right through the 1980s to say, I'm a sex positive feminist, so I can be a strong woman, I can own my body, I can be in charge of objectifying and commodifying myself if I like, and I'm going to be banking the profits at the end of the day rather than some man doing it. There's an fans would know, but there's an incredible interview that she did when the Justify My Love video came out on Late Line and she had to defend herself why she did that song, why she did the video, which we call was banned by MTV. And it's just when you were talking, it just took me straight back to where she had to defend herself and all those points she made is like, well, the difference is I'm a woman, the difference is I'm in charge, this is how I want to express myself. And I'm putting myself in this position in these sexual fantasies. It's not a man doing it. It's not a man telling me what to do. But they can't. people can't handle this. Like, it's different when the man's in charge because she was in charge and put herself in those fantasies. That was considered, you know, taboo and not allowed. People were really outraged by the erotica album mm. and her coffee table book, Sex, which depicted her sexual fantasies. It was seen as being something outrageous and also because of the context of the backlash against AIDS with these kind of moral conservatives saying, wow, this is a great opportunity to shut down gay liberation and women's liberation kind of in one one go. Anything about sex is no good. Or if you're going to talk about sex like George Michael's I Want Your Sex, it's got to be monogamous sex. Madonna's, oh no, not only am I not a virgin, I'm not having sex with just one person, I'm having sex with all kinds of people, just have a look at who's in my videos. So it's not just that she's the king of the jungle too, it's that she's protecting her people. Mm. And it's like she threw a cloak of love and visibility around people whose sexuality didn't fit in with some norm. And the guts to do that is, it's extraordinary what she did. You know, 
homophobia and speaking for myself, you know, growing up in Brisbane in the 80s and 90s, that's all we had. Thank God she was there. I just don't know if where I'd be. It was, you know, in a sense, I don't want to be dramatic and say she saved my life, but, but yeah, she did. It just kept us going. There was hope. There's someone there that understands me, that's that's fighting for me, accepting of me. She, you know, is um, picking gay male dancers in her videos and concert tours. Like, no one would do that. And it was just a beacon that just there was a light there and no one else, no one else was 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 giving that at the time and particularly the, through the whole AIDS crisis. You know, she was educating us as well because, again, TV, parents, school wouldn't talk about gay sex and, and AIDS, but it was in the Like a Prayer album, the literature, teaching me how to have safe sex in and why it's important. You know, I just don't know. This, I know there's so many um, gay fans that feel the same. You know, it's she's just not a singer. This is this is a woman that, you know, kind of saved lives. That is incredible, and the fact that, I mean, the fact that we were in a world that you had to resort to an album to educate yourself on how to love yourself and how to have a healthy sexual relationship. Like that's just exactly. You know, when you get surprised about like how long ago was that? Oh God. Okay. Okay. And it scares me to see where, you know, particularly um, North America is heading again now. Um, waves, waves of, you know, conservatism. Like it's just, it's next level. And I mean, on that Like a Prayer, that video again, that was the one that mums went. <laughs> I think, Rebecca, you coined it when your mum suddenly referred to her as that woman. <laughs> um, yeah. Trent, what... Um, what are your earliest memories? Like, what what was your reaction to the Like a Prayer video? Oh my God! It was. I remember watching it for the first time on Hey Hat Saturday. Molly Meldrum had the premiere. We all tuned in for it, and then being it was just again here she is changing the rule book again and the burning crosses and. Um, but what I got out of it mostly was okay. I spoke about you know the the um, looking after the gay community, but also to a white boy living in Brisbane, that whole video is actually standing up for um, a black people. You know, there's a scene where the um, he's arrested because the police thought that you know he'd been involved with a crime for a woman and he was thrown in jail un- um, wrongfully. She was shining a light on that community as well. And she's always had not only, you know, the gay community as, as her family, friends, but, but she grew up, you know, in, in uh, Detroit and then on to New York with the black community. And, you know, she was, I believe, shining a light on, on what was going on there, which we all know with Black Lives Matters. You know, it's, it was just f- the, my first education also of, of that world. 100%. So that's that's kind of what I got out of it. I don't know if that's what the majority did, but that's what struck a chord with me. And, I mean, of course, it was also, I mean, music video aside, it's still to this day as a song, like, stands a testament of an amazing pop song, which is just incredible.
regards to her, I mean, I love the way you guys speak about her blanketing and loving, which is, again, something that, you know, conservative naysayers would never put in, you know, would never put that term with Madonna. Because, again, she's spiky, she's fleshy, she's aggressive. It's like, no, no, she loves and she embraces. Do you think with music and artists today, first of all, if it wasn't for Madonna, would we have WAP? Would no, we have... I don't believe so at all. No. And with that in mind, how do you feel about, I guess, modern society who hear her or younger people, not like I'm that old, <laughs> but when people hear her now that possibly didn't grow up with her and go, oh, yeah, that's a great pop song. She's a great lady without understanding that without her music, there just wouldn't be this liberation within pop music. I don't think Madonna gets her due. So absolutely. I, I think what, what you're saying is right. And, and you, Trent, as well. We wouldn't have WAP. Madonna raised the stakes for sexual explicitness. Absolutely. So the Erotica album does that. The film clip for Erotica, the film clip for Justify My Love. It's really key also to just say quickly, the same year that she released that album and the coffee table book of sexual fantasies, she opened a record label, Maverick, which released Alanis Morissette's album Jagged Little Pill, Michelle and Dago Cello, so black, queer artist, a young white woman, these huge, incredible artists. So there's she's doing sexual explicitness, she's a business person, and she's also supporting others in the community. So there's a transformation of the music industry that she's involved in too, which we attribute now... Beyonce has delivered a masterclass on how to launch an album with Lemonade, for instance, or there's this real lack of historical appreciation for artists who've come before. It's always, oh, no, we've never seen this before or, oh, isn't this amazing or isn't this explicit? And oftentimes people do stuff and I think, yeah, Madonna already did that or Madonna did this first. And it's not to take away anything from what the artists who are doing things now are doing because things are still so repressed apparently, I'm realising as we're talking, that it's still a big deal for a woman to talk about her sexuality in an explicit way. But Madonna still smashed through a glass ceiling. Not just a ceiling, though, like in every sort of direction, she smashed things away to enable artists after her. Absolutely. You know, I, you, well, going back, well, thank God she did sell records because that, that allowed her to keep making art and doing what she was doing if if you know if that if like a virgin wasn't a success unfortunately she might have had she, she wouldn't be around because maybe she was dropped from the label they wouldn't invest in her anymore you know where would we be then you know where would um you know there wouldn't be a WAP, you know what I mean? Like, I just think, thank God it was. And I think, you know, she had young girls in her pocket. She definitely had the gay community. And I think there were those down times, which was the erotic era and sex book. And she openly says that was the hardest part of her life and career, where it was just that core fan that still was enough to make a difference in making money for the label. But I, I fear, you know, she... She could have been dropped if she didn't have that loyalty to, that kept investing in her. But it was because, back to our earlier conversation, that blanket effect where, you know, the casual fan couldn't maybe see, but 
those that were really invested and those that she picked and not we picked her was that beaker of light and we supported her because she was supporting, uh, you know, minorities. I think that's so true. And I, I do love seeing that in artists today. But, of course, it's on a different level because we have a bit more of an interaction with them because of social media, because of what they're expected to do. Trent, I wanted to know, uh, considering your expertise in public relations, <laughs> with Madonna's constant shock and scandal, being a fan aside, if you were the advisor trying to get her music out and getting her to do her things, how would you, how would you approach? Good question. I think um, I'm, I'm a bit like, like a virgin when she did the Video Music Awards performance in 1984 when she opened those awards and, you know, scandalous controversy. She's rolling around on the floor sexually in her wedding dress. Well, the true story is she lost her one of her high heels, so she went down to try and cover that up. And then she walked off stage and her manager said, you've ruined your career, it's over. And I get why he said that, you know, keeping in mind um, the times. I think I probably would have said the same thing, but obviously not working in an era back then. Now, thanks to Madonna, you know, leading the example, I always say the artist will go for it. If that's truly in your soul, what you've got to express and that's your art, artistic vision, absolutely go for it. But just let them know of what could be the outcome from that. Like this could happen. There could be this backlash just you know doing my responsibility to to let them know what can and can't happen but absolutely support them 100% you know if that's truly what they feel they need to express because that they're they're artists you know mm. so i would voice some concern but i wouldn't stop them but in 1984 um i probably would have said the same thing what about now in terms of the fact that Madonna is a woman who refuses to grow old gracefully and she does so in the pop music industry? So she, the, the backlash is ongoing in that way. What would you say oh, I to think her it's at its peak, I think. If she came to you and said, oh, I need you to do work for me to manage my image as an older woman, how do you... I, I would say don't change a thing because I was having this discussion with a friend. Like at the moment, you know, it's all about, you know, how she looks. Um, there's so many comments, oh, she's lost it, she's gone mad. But it's like she hasn't changed one bit. She's the still. She's still saying the same thing she did 40 years ago, 30 years ago. She's still acting the same. She's She's doing exactly the same. It's still the same Madonna. It's just because now... There's an ageism attached to it. She's in her 60s. Again, a six-year-old is not meant to act like that. How dare she have a boyfriend that's in her that it's in his 20s? Mind you, flip it, how many 60-year-old men have a younger girlfriend? But it's just, again, it's, she's just, we're in uncharted waters. You know, no one's done this before. You know, she's doing it for the first time. And there's no other uh, pop artist at her level that is still a pop artist, ageing. And it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch because she won't stop and mm. fans won't stop loving her, but she'll she'll keep doing what she's doing. And as she's done for 40 years, she'll you've got to accept it all. 
you know, move on. And do you think that's also part of the reason why people don't know what to do with her? Because she hasn't had her, she hasn't had her fall. So if you think of other artists who are hugely successful, who are sexual, who change their hair, who do whatever, they, particularly female artists, they're labelled, you know, train wreck, car crash. Like we have all these words we throw at them because no one can be that much of an affront and survive. And Madonna's not only survived, she's never really stumbled. And it's been 40 years and we're still waiting for it, apart from the time she lost her shoe. Like we're still waiting for her to fall down. And I think that breeds that 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 breeds a lot into our society of what we're waiting for. It's like what 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 do we need from this woman to do, and why does she scare us so much? She's a just reflecting on what we've been talking about. This is a powerful person who's refused to be shamed, and refused to be ashamed. Even when she has stumbled, she's just gotten up, you know, dusted herself off, and continued on. We didn't get a chance to talk about Ray of Light, that album, much, which was a huge critical success for her. And it was a kind of comeback in a way. It was, oh, well, you know, Madonna's back after that, all the sex stuff. I think part of that is because she was a mother. It was an album about having become a mother and what her daughter meant to her. And suddenly she's back doing something that's acceptable for a woman to do. So I think that the way that people react quite violently about Madonna, I think, people don't don't seem to sit on the fence. They've got quite strong opinions about her. And going back to that era, uh, the Academy decided, you know, she got her first Grammys off the back of Ray of Light because she, you know, they, it was acceptable because of, you know, ticking the box of, you know, she's a mother. and Right. So she, she is a woman who is doing in public, as you were saying, something that we've never seen before which is incredible and certainly to be celebrated. But that's what's scary for people. Mm, Because she came off being a mother and then suddenly she's releasing the greatest dance track of one of all time with Hung Up. And we're like, oh, but she's got children and she's in a leotard and we're dancing to her and I don't know how to do it. Can I ask you, what is her legacy? Gosh, it's a really good question. How do you answer that? I think it's survival and it's, it's... it's it's about she's the soundtrack to our lives, but she's also a teacher for me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and in terms of the teaching part of it, she has taught women in music how to survive and other artists as well. So people who don't meet up to mainstream norms, queer people, marginalised people, people of colour. Madonna said, you can do this. Beautiful. And we did talk about, I mean, she's not going to stop. She's not going to stop. She's 64 and she's still continuing to make music, make like trap records, mix with artists. She's, you know, she's still working on her movie, which working on her movie. She's know. pushing envelopes that she's curious in and she wants to do where in spaces that she shouldn't be allowed as a 64 year old woman. And she doesn't do it tongue in cheek. Sher does it playfully tongue in cheek. Madonna's like, no, no, I mean this. Mm. So what do you think we can expect from her next? Well, she's unstoppable. She'll, she'll do wherever her artistic vision takes her. She'll keep breaking the rules and, you know, Rebel Heart obviously was an album title, but she's a rebel. That's it. That's, she's a rebel. Beautiful. 
And I am just going to say, what is your favourite Madonna song to dance to? Get into the groove. Nice. I'm going to say hung up. Hung up. Very good call. This has been so nice. Rebecca and Trent, thank you so much for appearing on the podcast today. It is always a joy to talk about Madonna and there is no one else I would rather do it with. This has been great. Listeners, if you want to read more about Madonna and her incredible 40-year, can you believe her, career, go get your copy of Issue 12 of Women in Pop magazine right now at a news agency near you or at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Alongside Madonna, we also chat to Tate McRae, Dove Cameron, Nen and Cherry, and more. Plus, over 10 pages, we look back at the music of Janet Jackson, another champion for everyone. Thank you for listening today. We'll be back very soon. Until then, from myself, Rebecca and Trent, goodbye. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.